Welcome to the very first episode of the Team Rhino Outdoors Muskie Fishing Podcast. So for those of you that don't know, I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors, and we've also have another podcast. It's called Backlash Podcast. I co-host that one with Brad and Carrie Hoppy from Muskie Mayhem Tackle. And to clear up everything about it, that podcast is still going to go on weekly as scheduled. Nothing changes with the Backlash Podcast. So what I wanted to do with this podcast is I wanted to talk more separate baits with the manufacturers in a more short form podcast. The goal of this one here is to go, I would say, you know, an episode could be as little as five minutes and it could be as long as 30 minutes, depending upon, you know, how the conversation goes. I would say, you know, maybe occasionally we'll stretch it a little farther than that, but it's sort of just how the conversation goes. And so what we want to do is episode by episode, I want to pick a manufacturer with a separate bait so that they can talk about what the designed use was for it. How did they intend it? What did they dream up? Like, how did they come up with the idea? Some of them might be just as simple as a bucktail and there's not as much story to go behind it, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the history of the companies and we'll, this will allow us to talk to, you know, lots of different companies and spread our wings out there to lots of different places. So the other thing about this podcast is I don't intend to do it on a weekly basis. The whole goal would be right now, my intention is to produce an episode every other Monday and do it all year long. Now that's my intentions right now. The reason I'm starting it now, which is, you know, kind of off season musky fishing for a lot of us in the Midwest, you know, typically in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois, we're starting to wrap things up. Not so much the Illinois guys, but the Wisconsin, Minnesota guys. I mean, there's definitely less guys on the water. Guys start making decisions on going to the lake or going in the woods, and the woods wins out. But anyways, the reason we're going to do this now is because with the closures of at least the first couple of shows, I feel like I have a little bit more time. Musky fishing sales in general are starting to slow. So I can dedicate a little bit of time to this. Many of the manufacturers themselves also have a little bit more time to come on and talk about their product. So for our first episode, I chose to go with Brad Rue, and we're going to talk about Musk Innovations Bulldogs. In my opinion, there's a well, there's a lot of baits that have you know really changed the musky world, but the Bulldog was definitely one. You know, same thing with like when the Cowgirl came out, that kind of I would say it changed the course of history for musky fishing. When Brad came out with the soft plastics, there weren't as many options available to people. And so he kind of really took soft plastics in the musky world to the forefront. And then obviously he expanded his lineup into a bunch of different baits. And at some point we will we'll swing back and we'll talk to Brad on all of those. Cause like I said, this is going to be a one bait episode, one bait per episode is what we're going to talk about. As we continue along the you know, the bait will be in the description as far as episode one, Bulldogs is what we have on this one. And episode two, I'm still working on getting the guests lined up for that one. But anyways, uh, without further ado, I'm going to get Brad Rue on the phone and we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Mus Musk Innovations. And then we're also going to go into, you know, the Bulldog, how we, how we came up with it, its uses. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the pro harness versus a traditional harness and just give you an overview of the bait. And for anybody that's looking for a wide variety of selection of Musk Innovations products, we probably carry the largest in the industries. You can go to www.teamrhinooutdoors.com to find a giant selection of Musk Innovations products. So once again, let's go get Brad Rue on the phone. 
Well, our guest for this episode is Brad Rue with Muskie Innovations. And today we're going to talk mainly about the original Bulldog. Well, I'm sure we'll talk regular size, pounder size, magnum size. And then I want to kind of talk to Brad a little bit about, you know, differences in the mag versus the pro mag. We'll call them mag versus pro mag mostly because that's the size that sells the most, most units per year. But uh, Brad, uh, thanks for coming out today. We really appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule. I know how busy you are, especially even yet this late into the year, but thanks for taking some time out and come talk to me. Yeah, no problem, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. So Brad, one thing that uh, people don't know necessarily is how long you've been in business. I mean, you've been doing this for, you said you've, you're just completing year 27 and you're moving into year 28, which the longevity is amazing. But why don't you talk a little bit about the history? Because I have a feeling that soft plastic baits for muskies weren't widely accepted right off the bat. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we started in 1993. The Musk Innovation Company uh, had, you know, little ideas and stuff before that, but but actually, you know, put our paperwork in, so to speak, in 1993. But um, there weren't many soft plastic baits out. Uh, there was Joe Boardwork Live Action. There was a bait called the Viper. There was a uh, Curtis creature, Gene Curtis, uh, North Twin Lake. This is really dating me, by the way. And uh, um, I know there was a, a, a lure called the Hog Dog by Pfeiffer Tackle, which was uh, basically like a creature that you use for bass when it was a little bigger. So there were, there were a few pioneers before me. Um, they were all pretty smaller companies all out of Wisconsin that I believe now could have there been other rubber out there. Sure. But you know, that those are the ones I know of. So we decided that we wanted to do some stuff in soft plastics, mostly because there wasn't uh, obviously there wasn't a lot out there and none of it at the time was mainstream. These were all, you know, guys are just trying little different stuff and they're very niche markets. Um, they had their small following, but, nothing in the main, you know, mainstream of musky fishing. There really weren't any, you know, any companies doing anything big like that in soft plastics. Got the idea of soft plastics mostly because of the bass market. And I used to do tons of bass fishing and some walleye fishing. And obviously uh, that started, I believe, in the 70s um, in the bass world where they started doing soft plastics. So I wanted to bring that to the musky world because of the, basically because of the action soft plastic can give in the water versus metal or wood. So that's kind of, kind of why we started it. And I'm certain that, you know, let's talk about early days. I would imagine, you know, much like you do a lot of these musky expos or I'm almost all of them, you're pretty much at every single one that we are and, and a couple other ones too. You, you probably went to a show early on in the in the history of Musky Innovations. You set up your booth to sell some stuff. What was the original reaction like? Well, so coincidentally, the first Musky show was also in 1993, and that was the Milwaukee Musky Expo. So that by chance, we started our company the same year they, they started Musky Expos, and I've been to everyone ever since. <laughs> but... Right. So we went there, and believe it or not, I actually had a line of bucktails um, that I made myself, tied myself, did the whole nine yards from feathers to fur. <laughs> and we even we even went as far as made our own brass bodies. Um, at, at the time, my partner owned a tool and die shop. So 
we even punched out our own blades. We were we were in all all in on the bucktails. And the reason we started with that was because, and, and probably most people don't even remember that, but that's because I knew people would buy bucktails. So we needed to generate some money because I figured the the, the soft plastic thing was going to be a hard sell. So we started with bucktails and bulldogs, and um, I think originally we just had one size, and that'd be the regular size bulldog now. It was that size, and, and yeah, brought it to the show, and you know, sold a few bucktails here and there, and got a lot of laughs, a lot of chuckles. The uh, guy walking by, going, "What are they going to think of next?" You know that that reaction. I, I sold zero bulldogs until Steve Herbeck, Herbie, as everyone in musky fishing knows, and came by my booth and said a couple. Uh, ex- Flirtatives, is that the word? A <laughs> uh, couple F-bombs or whatever in my booth and bought a whole bunch of bulldogs from me. And that actually kind of was the start of the ramping up of, of uh, soft plastics for Musk Innovations because that's the same year that he got involved with uh, Andy Myers Lodge up in Canada, took bulldogs up there that next year and, and started catching big fish on them. And that kind of you know, gave the push towards towards a lot of people trying trying them and having success with them. So I'm sure, much like the rest of us that enter this world, or, you know, the musky industry, not many of us really, I would say, jump in like full time. That's just not something that we do. What did you, I mean? Were you working a regular job, and this was your your night hustle, and that was kind of how this came together? Yeah, for sure. So this was just a side thing. Um, you know, I had a full-time job and, um, I basically did that for seven years until Musk Innovations grew enough that I could quit my full-time job and, and, and just concentrate on that. And of course, at that point I was making every single lure from start to finish myself, uh, from the harness inside to letting to, you know, pouring the baits to putting the hooks on to packaging them. I mean, I did. I did it all A to Z. So got to the point where we got so busy that, um, yeah, I, I was either going to quit my job or quit my hobby. <laughs> I, you know, jobs are fine, but I really had a passion for fishing in general. And then of course, musky fishing was on the top of that list at the time. And, and so I said, you know, and, and at the time I, I was newly married, but my wife had a good job. So I was like, all right, we can we can handle it financially if, if I fail, and so that's what I did. But um, let's, let's backtrack a tiny bit. I know you were kind of curious how the bulldog started. I didn't just one day think of this crazy looking lure with this tail on it, and boom, it worked. Um, my original original idea was to try to make a soft plastic jerk bait. So maybe something on the lines of, I don't know, like a suet or an eddy bait or something like that. But in soft plastic, uh, my thought process was that it would, you know, instead of just coming straight or, or, you know, the body being straight, that it would flex when you jerk it and it would look more realistic. Never really accomplished that. (laughs) But as we went, um, you know, then we, we added fins and we added a tail and we changed the shape and changed where the line pull was, changed the weight and all that stuff. We finally got a, I would call it a working model. 
And I took it out to a local lake uh, a Saturday morning. I was with two other guys who were both in the boat fishing. I was in the middle. And uh, I caught two fish that day and raised, I don't know, seven or eight, something like that. And people in the boat with me never saw a fish. So I kind of knew we were on to something at that point. And that, that's when I then decided I'm doing the show. I got something great here. And, yeah. I guess then the rest is history. That that's how it started out. Right. So, did you, in your wildest dreams, ever imagine that it would get to the level that it is now? Because I know how many bulldogs we sell, and it's a lot, and <laughs> yeah. we're only a fraction of what you do overall. So, I mean, did you ever expect it to get to this level? No, uh, I did not. I was hopeful that I could scratch out a living doing this. Um, sometimes I'm still hopeful on that, but <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, no, not, not my wildest dreams. In fact, it, it actually still kind of boggles my mind when I look back on a year and realize how many lures we've made and shipped and, and sent out and all over our country and Canada and Europe. And it's, uh, it's very cool. It's daunting, <laughs> but it's also humbling. It's, I'm, I'm truly blessed to be able to do this for myself. There's no doubt. Right. I mean, I I can look back at the story. So early on in my musky fishing career, I didn't really know what I was doing. I thought hiring a guide would shorten the learning curve. Happened to be watching It's Keys Outdoors now, but when I was watching it, I believe it was called North Country Adventures. Steve Jensen yep. is on the show. And so I book a trip to go fishing with Steve. I'm like, I tried it a few times on my own. I didn't, I moved a couple fish, didn't catch anything, you know, whatever. Typical musky guy story. I'm not one of those guys that was lucky enough to make two casts and catch a 53 and ruin my, the rest of my career. So I'm out there fishing with Steve. He hands me this bulldog. I'm throwing this thing and we're fishing. Yeah. I would say at the time, fairly shallow weeds. And I mean, I bet you half my cast would come back all weeded up. I thought this thing was torturous. And then you know, long story short, a couple times later, I go to the mag dog and now, you know, you go back and start throwing regular dogs and you're just like, this is like the easiest thing in the world based off of the other stuff that you offer too. I mean, cause you know, that's the majority of the guys I would probably say start with a regular dog. Although nowadays maybe they start with mag dogs because the equipment we have can handle it more than ever before. But you know, it's just amazing how you can make that when you make that progression to a mag dog and then you go back to like a reg dog, it's like all of a sudden this isn't work anymore. It's super easy on your body and i mean it's and it's unbelievable how many fish you can catch on those baits too yeah it's, it's funny you know years ago too i mean we only had originally we had uh the, the reg and then we came out with the mag next and i didn't even like throwing it and and you know i'd go fishing with people i'd be like here throw this one and i'd give them the mag and i'd stick with the reg dog and you know, honestly, I, I, I caught just as many fish. I sometimes even caught the bigger fish, but um, it, it definitely has gone to the, the mag being, being easily the mo- most popular uh, size we make. But um, you're, you're so right with the longer rods and the, the, all the different actions we have now and the really good reels. Nowadays, throwing a mag dog is like throwing a rig, you know, 25 years ago when I was, you know, first starting in, in uh, first starting in, in the business, not musky fishing, but first starting in the business, starting to throw my own products and, and stuff like that. So 
So it's definitely a lot easier. But the uh, funny thing is they all do catch fish. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the people, like I've said it before on, I, on our other podcasts is how, like sometimes you'd think big, you know, little fish aren't going to hit this big bait and I've caught plenty of 30 inches on a pounder too. So it's not like, it's not like they're afraid of the pounder. That's for sure. Correct. You know what I, I really tell people, I, I think obviously size is, is you know, sometimes important, obviously, but you know, it, it displaces water differently is, is one big thing that people talk about. But honestly, in my mind, the biggest advantage you can have, um, or not even advantage, but the reason to throw a reg bulldog versus a mag bulldog versus a pounder is running depth. And so if you know where your fish are holding in the water column, sometimes it's important to throw that bigger one because it's going to get down where the fish are versus the mag may run three, four feet shallower and knock it down there. Now, yes, you can count it down and all that type of stuff, but that also costs some time and, and, some uh, mental, uh, you know, every time you got to remember to do it or whatever. So sometimes it's really about running depth. Um, you don't really want to throw a pounder in five five feet deep with weeds, but you sure can throw a shallow rag or even a rag dog over that kind of stuff. So sometimes you're choosing that size actually to fish the water column and not necessarily for the or the right depth and not necessarily for the size. So obviously as things progressed with the, you know, the bulldog, you know, people, the way people work it and they, you know, they, they use this bait nowadays, is this, is what you see the way this thing, you know, used now, is that how you intended it for when you designed it? I mean, did you think that it would be one of those baits that you would throw out and you would just straight retrieve in, or did you think it would get like as erratic and crazy as sometimes it does these days? Um, I didn't really think it would be a cast out and reel in type of bait. I knew it would be something that you'd have to work. But yeah, the way some of these guys work it and it's you know, if you can do it, it's awesome. But uh yeah, they're they're ripping it and, and hopping and stuff much more than I ever envisioned. The I have caught fish uh, straight retrieving on it. Um at night sometimes that works really well. And I've done it over tops of weeds where the fish come busting out smack it even though it's not hopping it's just been straight crank but overall it was intended to to be you know used like a jerk bait but the way you can rip it and hop it along and stuff i never really envisioned that but it sure is effective oh yeah absolutely i mean it's a testament to how many fish you see caught on these baits every single year so brad one question i get as a retailer often is you know, what's the difference between like the traditional and now you have in, within the last couple of years, you guys came out with the pro model. What's the difference and why, why did you guys come out with both? So, you know, originally we, we had way, way, way back in the day, our harnesses were made from seven strand wire and they were crimped. And the problem with that was eventually the wire would wear out just from going back and forth so much that you would either lose a hook or lose the bait or unfortunately lose a fish and maybe the hook stayed in the fish type of thing. So the lure originally had a lot of flex to it, but we didn't want hooks breaking off and things like that. So that's when we switched to the solid wire harness. 
when we switched to the solid wire harness and put them on the market stuff, people still caught fish and, and everything was fine and the harnesses weren't breaking and things like that. However, there still was always these you know, your customers and pro staff so that coming to me going, yeah, they're, they're still working brand. They work really good. They, they run a little bit shallower. They have a little more of a pause to them. But sometimes the original action is what we want. And I'm like, well, I can't go with a seven-strand wire. So that's when we developed the pro harness, which if anyone has seen one, because it, you know, we, the dog got destroyed or whatever, you you know what I'm talking about. But basically, it's, it's still solid wire, but it, it's jointed solid wire. So you get a lot more flex out of the baits. The biggest difference now between the two baits is the Pro will run deeper. They're basically the same weight. But because of how the head flexes down, you know, it, it, it drives the bait deeper in the water column. It'll have more hop. And it'll it actually kind of like dives versus the hard the original one the, the solid wire one is uh, runs a little bit shallower and on the full it'll it'll kind of has more hang time it'll kind of hang there it'll glide out a little bit it won't sink head first as fast it'll sink slower so both effective for what you want if. You have to keep it in the fish's face a little longer, maybe a little colder water. You want to run a little shallower, you know, so with the hardware one, you want, you want to run it deeper. You want to, it's a lot more erratic. You want to hop it around a lot, especially summertime. The pro one is definitely the way to go. Right. And I mean, both of them still have their, their time and place, like you said. And I know as far yep. as sales go, they're, I mean, the pros, the pros are definitely catching up now. And I would say it's probably almost a dead even split. Yeah, I would say you're correct in that too. Yep. And, you know, I think maybe a little bit of that is, you know, what colors they're available in. But I think the, the savvy musky angler has now kind of caught on to the difference and, and exactly uses them in, you know, the their way. Um, you know, like I said, you want to fish shallower and you want to hang tight, you're, you're going to go with the solid wire and, and then vice versa with, with the harness and I, I mean I know people that love the solid harness and will never buy a pro dog and then I know people that are only throw pro dogs so part, part of that's depending upon what lakes you fish and, and you know, what your fish are doing and time of year and all that kind of stuff but I would say you're right I'd say they sell about 50-50 sure and so Brad the last thing is I think a lot of people have a misconception maybe not so much anymore that these baits all come from overseas which clearly isn't the case. Why don't you talk a little bit about where they're made and how I mean how everything's made, you know, right here. I can go a little bit over the history of that too and and why decisions were made along the way. So like I said originally I was pouring every single bait myself in a small shop at my house here and got to the point where I couldn't keep up. And so many people probably don't know this next thing that happened. So I was looking for somebody to make my baits for me. So I went to a company down in Alabama called Action Plastics. And we spent a lot of money on making molds for, I believe, three sizes of bulldogs I had made there. I know spring, reg, and mag for sure. So I bought injection molds, and we started injecting bulldogs. Probably did that for, oh, two or three years. Did they catch fish? Yes. Were they as good? No. Um, mostly the reason is that injected rubber was so much harder. Um, I think 
probably nowadays you could probably inject one and get away with it because they've gotten so much, so many different materials they can use now, but back then they didn't. And it was a lot harder and the, the tail didn't look as good. They didn't look as good in the water, et cetera, et cetera. So now I'm stuck because I didn't really want to keep selling those because they weren't near as good as the hand pours, but I got to find someone to do hand pouring. And I searched and searched and searched for someone in the U.S. to do hand pouring. And back then, there was basically nobody doing it. And there's probably not really many people doing it right now either. But so I met a guy anyway, and uh, he said, well, they're doing hand pouring baits in China. So that's the reason I started making baits in China. It had zero things to do with price. It only had to do with I had to find someone to make the baits because I couldn't do it. Anymore. I just couldn't. I couldn't stand the hours and I couldn't, you know, keep, keep making them. I couldn't keep up. So we had our little stint in China and that really didn't go all that great. Very inconsistent with the quality. I was never happy overall with the quality. We got there at the end. They were making some darn good baits, but a lot of things with lead time and all kinds of, uh, issues in between that I don't need to get into, but I was never really happy with how things were going when a lot of control was out of my hands. So eventually um, I found a guy here who had lost his job, said, I got a proposition for you. You want to start a company? So now that company has eight or nine employees and they're right here in the U.S. and they are manufacturing by hand all my products. And uh, so they're all hand poured right here in the good old U.S. of A. Right here in Wisconsin, and every they make everything. They they make almost all of my products, and they make almost everything in house, like I used to do, only on a much higher scale and much better scale. They make all the they bend all the wire, they make all the harnesses, they pour all their own lead, and they pour all the baits, they paint all the baits. A few things are farmed out, like the hard plastic injection of some of my other baits. But, but for Bulldogs, they make it from A to Z uh, right here in Wisconsin, right here in good old USA. So I'm proud that we got it out of China. I'm proud that we started it out of the company. They're doing really good. And the quality of Bulldogs now is higher than it's ever been. Yeah, I would agree. And not only that, I mean, I don't want to take up too much more time, but I mean, the paint jobs and everything that they've done, it's like every single year you guys take everything to another level. I mean, and, and you, along with it, you seem like you take, everybody takes everything to another level. So it's like you guys are always trying to stay one step ahead. And the, I mean, like I said, the paint and everything that's gone down on soft plastic baits is just really revolutionized in the last, I don't know, it's been a while now because I've been doing this with you or I've been doing the TRO thing for six or seven years. And, you know, we've always had painted dogs right from you, but this, I mean, every step that every, every time it just seems like the, it gets leveled up every year. And so it's a great product. Yeah, that's kind of been a goal of ours, um, to do that. That's been a huge challenge. The challenge part is fun, <laughs> but, uh, executing can, can also be a real huge challenge. You know, I give, give props to those guys. They have, they have really, uh, met and exceeded my expectations when it comes to the, the finishing and stuff like that and the holographics and everything. I, I uh, often put challenges out in front of them and, you know, with all of us kind of brainstorming, we come up with, uh, you know, ways to do it. And it's, it's that, that part's 
really fun. That's the fun part for me. So yeah, that it's really cool. And, and, uh, sadly, most of the shows are probably going to cancel this year, but one of the neat things is going to the shows and having customers come up to you and go, wow, you guys are doing great. They're knocking out the park. You guys, your stuff looks amazing. That's, uh, you know, that's the real, that's the thing that really keeps me going and, and, you know, just makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. So Brad, um, in an effort to keep this one at a regular uh, length, I just want to thank you for taking some time out of your day. I know how busy you guys are, especially even yet. I know this has been an uh, incredible year for a lot of us. I'm sure we'll have you back on because not only do you have bulldogs, but we can talk yet about double dogs, dying dogs, shallow invaders, swimming dogs. I mean, there's so much different stuff. So for this episode, we just wanted to talk strictly about bulldogs. And Brad, I think I thank you for coming out, giving us a history lesson on you know how it started and what it got rolling and where it's come to now. So thanks again for all your time, Brad. Yeah, you bet. No problem. Thanks, Jeff.